It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Pretty good. 115 to 88. The Raptors defeat the Golden State Warriors. I'm Samson Folk. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. And so this isn't exactly the same as when the Raptors beat the Milwaukee Bucks, for example, when they had Chris Middleton and had Drew Holiday and didn't have Brooke Lopez or Giannis Antetokounmpo. That was still a team like Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton both make max money. They're both very good players. They have like a, a very healthy, stable of guys, and so they still beat a good team. They still beat a team. This game definitely needs a caveat. So as a fan, right, as anybody, really, you just want to watch a game that's fun, and this game was. So you don't have to read too much into anything that's happening, but the Raptors fundamentally beat a G League team tonight, and they they slapped them around. They really dominated them. Like Fred Van Vliet played less than 35 minutes, that is a once-in-a-blue-moon occasion. Three out of the five starters were out there for less than 30. That's what you want from the Raptors more than anything. It's in an easy game. You don't want guys to be run down, roughshod, right? And so headed into this game, Iguodala, Wiggins, Curry, Draymond, Jordan Poole, Otto Porter Jr., and then, of course, Clay Thompson, James Wiseman, they weren't there. So nine active players for the Warriors and the Raptors came out and thoroughly dominated them. Super fun game, especially, man, the first half was fueled by just terrific playmaking by both Fred and Scotty. And the second half, I think everybody survived on a heavy dose of uh, lobs, honestly. There, there's quite a few lobs thrown. Precious, I think, finishing two of them. Boucher getting another. I can't remember. I think Gary Trent might have thrown three lobs in this game. Successful ones at that. OG Ananobi made his return as did Precious, and uh, Pascal also had to go. Oh, yeah, Pascal and Delano, I believe, had to go into COVID protocols, which two guys on the team is not as bad as other teams are currently dealing with. I mean, <laughs> the Nets brought back Kyrie after saying they would not have him as a part-time player. Then Kevin Durant, and that was prior to Kevin Durant going into protocols. And then Kyrie comes back and immediately goes into protocols. It's... Like, absurd, right? It's so many guys are getting COVID or getting placed in protocols. You just have to hope everybody's okay, everybody's healthy and doing fine. And if not, that they're on the proper course to be healthy as soon as possible, I guess. But, yeah, so the Raptors, they get OG back. They lose Pascal and Banton. 
Goran Dragic and David Johnson are still out. Uh, they've been out for a long time, so something to consider. But anyway, uh, yeah, super fun game. Scotty Barnes, as far as the playmaking goes, this game was about as encouraging as you could find. Um, not only was he finding open guys, but he was finding really open guys. And they were the passes that, you know, skip passes can be overrated to some extent, but he's looking off tag man. He's looking off guys who are rotating and then making the passes. Like these reads are being made super fast. And if they're not made fast, it's because he's waiting for a defender to leave the premises. And then he's going back to the guy. Like the, the level of passes that he was making all game were super, super high. Very few mistakes were made. Of course he is. He's in a risk-averse passer. He'll try anything out there. And the six assists to one turnover is just a glowing, glowing example of what he was able to do tonight. And on top of that, like, the scoring punch, honestly, like, Chioza switched out on him. And Chioza is about Fred Van Vliet's build. He might even be a little bit shorter, actually, come to think of it. But anyway, Scotty took him to the rim. Hardly even noticed that he was there. And Scotty, man, like, in transition, pace, waiting for the defense to commit to guys. Then as soon as they do, drop, dribble, you know, gather, running back mode, get through the, like, punch through the gap, get hit, take contact, finish at the bucket. And a couple times where he's he's kind of oscillating between the dribble handoff mode and keeper play mode, and he's kind of crab dribbling across the court waiting so he can kind of turn and get downhill towards the bucket. And that worked in this game. And so... Uh, that was awesome to see. And Fred, I mean, I think he had 10 assists or 9 assists. I can't remember. In the first half. And, man, the Warriors have such a high defensive pedigree so far this year. I mean, they're the best defense in the league by a wide margin. And as far as defensive rating goes relative to league average, they're grading out as, truthfully, one of the, statistically, I should say, grading out as one of the best defensive teams ever. That being said... They were really bad tonight. They're allowing gaps they never usually do. Their point of attack defense was really poor. And the Raptors didn't have to do that much to garner open space for shooters or for cutters or anything like that. So the reads were easier than usual. And that's why Fred looked like the old head playing with the young guys. Like, you know, it's varsity versus junior varsity or whatever, right? Like he's he's making very simple reads. He's just keeping the live dribble, making sure that plays extend, making sure that guys can get to open spots. And then he's making the passes. Super easy, like a cakewalk. And Boucher, Ananobi, Trent Jr., like low-key games for all of them. OG, you're just looking, okay, how's he look physically? You know, he didn't hit any of his open threes. He's been stamped as a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter since, honestly, since his first year in the league. He's just, he's a 40% three-point shooter. That's what he's been his whole career. He's never really dipped too far away from that. He's never gone way above it. So, yeah, he's like a 40% three-point shooter. I don't care if he goes over three when he returns. How's his foot speed? How's his explosion? How's his strength? And all of that looked like he was in a pretty good spot. He wasn't like absolutely slamming his way to the rim, although on one account he did and he got called for an offensive foul, which is classic OG. But uh, he's still leaning into the fadeaways and stuff a lot. But hey, coming back from injury, you just want to see a guy move well. You just want to make sure that they don't look inhibited, right? And so OG, coming back from this game, looked fine. Had a little bit of pop and burst defensively especially. And so, yeah, a couple of nice plays made out of the post as well, especially where he's rotating and stuff. Quick change of pace is a pretty good indicator of like his explosion. 
especially for OG, rather than just the straight line, you know, hawk above the break on defense stuff. That that the more minute examples of where he's exploding and the control, the body control, I think is really good. And this game, totally fine. Gary Trent Jr., I mean, hey, pretty low key. Just kicking back, hitting a couple jumpers, got called for a couple offensive fouls. I think he got called for two. I could be wrong. Just the one, actually. Um, got called for the one offense foul. But defensively, man, this this dude continues to be just an absolute thief. He does gamble in passing lanes. He does get himself out of position sometimes. But the fact that a lot of his steals, especially, you know, early on in the season, a lot more of his steals were passing lane oriented, like jumping. And now he's just gotten exceptional at just being a thief. Like just stripping guys from their dribble, from their hands. Like they'll just, they'll be in a triple threat position or something. And he'll nab the ball out of their hands. I don't know how he does it. He's got like vipers on the end of those things, you know? Like he he's potent. I would not, like that dude could snatch anything, apparently. He could have been like an incredible jewelry thief or something or a pickpocket, right? And yeah, he's just defensively, like the motion isn't always perfect, but my God, if you can get four steals, that's that means so much in a game, especially in a closer game than this. If you get four steals, that's four shot attempts the other team doesn't get and likely four transition opportunities for your team or close to that or even like fast break opportunities. And to just take like four possessions in a game, like an eight possession swing basically because it creates such high value possessions on the other end, that's so affecting, man. And he's, he's certainly not blowing that many plays a game or more so than an average player. Every player blows defensive coverages every game. Defensive player of the year nominees down to the worst defensor, defender in the league. But he doesn't blow four more than the average guy. But he's certainly stealing. He's creating more havoc defensively than the average player. And so that's that's the biggest thing this year is like his core coverage is a little bit better than last year. The rotations are a little bit better. But the steals are just so monumental. That's such a big deal that it's, yeah, big shout out to his defense. That's super fun. Chris, Chris, really good defensive game uh, per his stuff. I mean, rotating super well on the back end. Like there's a lot of coverage he provided. He's a blanket at the rim a little bit. And really nice to see, especially his mobility, right? Because he moves a lot better than a significant amount of bigs and with, Kevon Looney, a guy who he played almost the exact same amount of minutes as Chris in this one. They both played within 23, but Kevon isn't like a big bruising big and the Warriors were playing small tonight. Chris was switching a lot of stuff and rotating back towards the rim when he had to. It was just a super sharp defensive game. This is a really strong matchup for him defensively and offensively. He's popped in. He did his thing. He had a three. One of four isn't sterling, certainly not compared to how hot he was from downtown last year, but 11 points, eight boards in 23 minutes. And I think one of his best defensive games of the year, the coverage was really nice. And he did a lot of things great on that end. So he deserves credit for sure. Precious as well. Precious is honestly, I, Precious has impressed me as a defender prior to him going down with a shoulder injury. He was really starting to pick up steam. as like a help side guy, a rim deterrent. And that you know, that wasn't a huge part of this game. But I'll tell you what was the little bursts of self-creation. And I'm not super excited about what happened here as far as like looking ahead to the future and what does this mean 
because the competition was really, really poor tonight. And that much was clear from the outset. But when you have a guy who's willing to put the ball on the floor and dribble himself into dangerous positions at the five position, that can create all types of problems for the defense. And of course, you can look at and say, what is he going to be in the future? Because you want to do it against teams with a little bit more you know, NBA talent against teams that have a lot more going for them or something like that. But to see it in a game like this, the 17 points, like just taking the ball off the bounce, putting the other bigs in trouble, or even if a small switched on him and really grinding his way to the rim, making those little push shots, putting pressure there, that's super fun. And hit a three. I mean, good on you, Precious. You did your thing. Svi uh, Mikhailuk, bad Svi Mikhailuk game. That's that's probably the most disappointing. And Justin Champagny didn't finish like he's capable of, I would say, at the rim. But just, yeah, Justin is always, like, his motion offensively is super clever. He's he's a pretty good defender as well. Of course, we need more minutes and more possessions to really see how Justin is doing at the NBA level over a long stretch of games. But, yeah, Justin was fine, if not, if not a little underwhelming. But Svi was actively bad, I think, and so... A little, a little bit of, I don't know, he was pushing himself to take too many shots maybe and he was getting a little bit, not greedy, but he just, he's putting shots up. He's taking the ball, like, you know, just hang on to the ball a little bit too much in the half court. There was the one pass he didn't make in transition. I think it was Utah who would have been open if I remember correctly. And it's just like, I understand you want your points, you want to make an impact, but sometimes the better plays on the table. And, you know... The Raptors aren't a team that really values that. They want to see you make the better play a lot of the time. Unless, like, you're Gary Trent Jr. and you have just currently an incredible outlier shooting ability and, like, tough shot-making ability, then you can kind of go ham and dribble into the middle of the court and, you know, get that right arm push off and fade away and do all that kind of stuff and, you know, inject that into offensive possessions. But that's not Svi. He has to make the right play. Utah. Hell yeah, Utah. Um, super fun game for him. The defense, it pops, always will. He's going to have a Dikembe Mutombo type mixtape by the time he's done. Like a huge block on Gary Payton the second. Another huge legal block, I think, on Moses Moody, although it was called for a foul, but it was completely clean. His willingness to go up and meet guys at the apex, at the rim, continues to wow and amaze, I think, everybody. And, uh, hit, you know, hit some corner threes. Did his thing. That's the thing that has to come around for Utah is he has to hit threes when the team needs him to. Like he needs to fully wear that 37 to 40% three-point shooter badge and be like, if the ball funnels to me and I'm open at a point of leverage, I need to make that shot. That's what I have to do. And that has been a little bit of a failure. Same with Pascal, right? Like Pascal, when the ball funnels to him late in games from three, he's open. He's shown he can hit that shot. It's just not dropping at a high enough rate. Utah is in the same boat, although Utah doesn't provide all the other things that Pascal does. So, But also different players, different asks, all that kind of stuff. But they both need to improve in that facet. And uh, Utah, though, like defensively, super fun. The coverage, once again, like his ability to, to get across the court for closeouts, to rotate, all that kind of stuff against this smaller Golden State team, super valuable. And then to just check in and be like, hell yeah, I'm the rim defender in this unit because I'm going to get up and I'm going to get after it. Good for him. And a serious, like, mm, really punched it in in transition. Big dunk. Utah doesn't get a lot of big dunk opportunities. So, and he can dunk. Like, if you watched him with the Memphis hustle, 
they had a lot of lob plays they used to run for him because Utah is a pretty athletic dude. And uh, yeah, they used to run a lot of lob plays for him where he'd come around like a, he'd just turn an Iverson cut into like a backdoor lob and stuff like that. Or they'd even like set back screens and stuff for him and all that kind of stuff. So something he's always been good at. Uh, my favorite subplot of the game was Malachi Flynn scoring seven and Barnes scoring 21. Coming into this game, Malachi Flynn had 414 career points. Scotty Barnes had 401. So that means after this game, Scotty Barnes is sitting at 422 to Malachi Flynn's 421. He passed him by one point, and I was waiting to see if Malachi Flynn would take back the lead because he lost it. And I thought, oh, how funny would this be if he took it back? And then Scotty passed him again next game. Like, <laughs> I thought that would be pretty funny. But Malachi, you know, late game, put on the dancing shoes, boogied on some dudes, did his thing. Super fun to see. That's as much as you can hope for from Malachi, for the most part. He's just in such an awkward position on this roster. The meaningful minutes, when they do come, he doesn't seem to perform all that often. And he's not really put in a... He's not put in easy positions for him to succeed. And so just he keeps failing. And it's not like a, I don't think it's a, a thing where he doesn't have the skill set to play in the NBA. I just, he's having a tough time finding his way on this roster. And he, there's no doubt about that. And you wonder if he's a guy who would really benefit from a new system. Like, you know, like if the Hawks, for example, maybe want to take a flyer on Malachi Flynn at the at the deadline or something as a guy who can come in and run some pick and rolls for like four to eight minutes in, in the odd game or something like that and see how that progresses and all that other kind of stuff. Who knows? But yeah, it's it's been tough for him. Isak, uh, two steals, active on defense as he always is and kind of kept it moving. But man, the Raptors just dominated this game through and through. This was really too easy. Fred and Scotty really popped off. So did Precious. I mean, this was a super, this is a cakewalk of a game. Fred, 6 to 10 from downtown, 12 assists, 3 steals, 0 turnovers. Zero. That's, that's astounding. That is just, man, that is hard to do. It's, man, Fred continues to be excellent. There's, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be able to get into an all-star game this year. From undrafted to all-star, I think should be a reality. Um, even by just like the simplistic box score numbers, he's in the realm. But in any catch-all metric that attempts to capture defense, he sits so much higher in the minds of those people who look at those and care about those. There's very obviously a leadership element that he really holds on to, and that's that's something he identifies with and that's something the Raptors recognize him as and it's very important and he's, yeah, he's an all-star. I, I think there's no question. Fred Van Vliet is an all-star. The lone all-star selection on the Raptors this year, that's what I'm expecting. I think Pascal Siakam, as the season goes on, will creep into all-star level playing if he's not already kind of been a fringe all-star level player. I mean, he's been about there, but Fred has been the best player on the team this year and he's been there. Virtually the whole time. So that's something like, hell yeah, Fred. Do your thing. Uh, Reggie Evans Award. Chris Boucher. Loved his game tonight. Um, thought he really benefited from the matchup and just killed it. Nothing better than when you see a player has an avenue to success and he plays really well in that role. I mean, I like I talked about it. I thought he had a really tough time defensively in the Brooklyn Nets game. 
And I did. I, I thought he had a really tough time defensively. But that doesn't change the fact that now I think it's five out of six or six out of seven games that I, I would grade him as above average. And when a bench player, well, that, that's typically what he is. When a guy who usually comes from the bench, whether he's starting or not, is giving you like 20-plus minutes of above-average play relative to his own game, that's, that's all you need. Like, Chris has been delivering game in and game out virtually, so he deserves a lot of love for what he's been doing. And some of it is on the defensive end. A lot of it is on offense and making, like, heady cuts and being aware of where he needs to be to help out his his teammates, but like defensively, he's popped in enough of these games. That's it's hell yeah, good for you. Uh, top Cooker actually comment Scotty should have had about 20 assists tonight, and that's from Mark Booth. Hell yeah, Mark. Although perhaps Fred also, how cool would it be to have a dual 20 assist night, right? If Fred and Scotty had both had 20, goodness me, that would have been super cool. But yeah, Scotty, I think Champagne got fouled on the one. And he went to the, like, he obviously went to the line. But it was this jumping one-handed pass that Scotty made that he didn't get an assist for. I really would have liked to see that drop in because it was miraculous. But, uh, yeah, nothing better than Scotty and assists. Watching him pass is super, super fun. And he uh, he really did his thing, man. It's uh, It was a super fun game against a team that clearly wasn't there defensively. And Scotty just poked holes in them the whole time. If they're a hot air balloon, they would have crashed almost immediately because he started eviscerating them early and often. But thanks for tuning in and uh, listening to my slightly scratchy voice. At least it feels that way and sounds that way to me. But if you didn't notice, that great, because that means it probably sounds better than I think it does. So thanks for tuning in, whether you got into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and bye.